All right. Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum Speaker Webinar Series and Podcast. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. Very pleased to have Todd Benzman, a writing fellow here at the Middle East Forum and a senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies and author, join us to discuss Muslim migrants uh, flood the southern U.S. border. Uh, Mr. Benzman will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Todd Benzman. Okay, hi, thank you for uh, hosting uh, this um, talk. And I, I do appreciate being here and being associated with MEF. Uh, I thought I'd get started with the uh, fact that the Biden administration in about April of 2022 decided to post on its enforcement statistics website at the cbp.gov uh, terrorist, uh, suspected terrorist crossings uh, of the southern border. Remember that um, for many years, this issue of, you know, are terrorists crossing the border? Uh, how would they get there has been a subject of great contention. The uh, partisan uh, divide generally uh, moved along the lines of liberals would say that's just absurd. There are no terrorists crossing at all. That's a made up uh, Republican fear mongering talking point. And Republicans on the other side would very often, you know, kind of go overboard uh, and say, you know, the terrorists are crossing and there would be, you know, training camps in Mexico and uh, a whole variety of um, stories that were always very difficult to verify. But the truth is really that there is a uh, threat issue that is has been addressed by the U.S. government and the Homeland Security Enterprise about this for many, many years since 9-11. Uh, and it often doesn't look like either one of those narratives. And so I thought that uh, when the Biden administration decided for still unknown reasons to start posting monthly statistics of KST known or suspected terrorist crossings that maybe we had moved the debate, we'd made some, some progress as a civilization because it's now no longer a point of contention that at least suspected terrorists who have made the FBI's TSDB uh, terrorist screening center uh, watch lists are crossing that border and have been apprehended. So I thought I'd start this talk with just the sort of nonpartisan statistics that are being posted by the Biden administration at cbp.gov at their enforcement page. You, you can go there yourself and sort of scroll through them, uh, but I'll just give you the sense. Uh, there are about five years of statistics on that site that they provide that are crossings and apprehensions of crossers between ports of entry are the ones that we focus on, that I like to focus on, uh, because if you're crossing between a port of entry, that means you're pretty much trying to sneak in. You do not have permission to be in the country. Uh, and that's a, a higher level of concern than folks that might show up at the port of entry and present that self-present and claim asylum. Um, typically in a year, 
uh, before the current mass migration crisis, where we're at about uh, five and a half million uh, apprehensions and gotaways, people that have run and gotten into the interior, uh, maybe even higher than that, six million in just 24 months. Um, we, we are in, in the midst of a historic mass migration crisis. Uh, we have never seen numbers like this, not even close. Uh, 2.4 million apprehensions in 2022. Already in the first four months of fiscal 2023, we've uh, had over a million and typically in any given year in the past, it might be 300,000, 400,000, rarely ever did it hit half a million. Uh, we're already at a million and four months in. I mean, so we, we are in the midst of something that is truly beyond the American experience by far, uh, which is the reason why I've written a book about it called Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest, Mass, or the greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. And I think it's probably in world history. But in the mix of that is this threat issue uh, where we have seen uh, uh, higher numbers of people from Muslim majority countries and really from all over the world uh, crossing into the United States than, than we've ever seen before. And especially those who are on the uh, TSDB watch list um, we typically would have maybe 20 in a year that got caught on both the Mexican side and on the US side. Uh, the numbers now since 2021 when the crisis began uh, are that we had 98 in just fiscal year 2022, uh, which is you know four times the number that conducted the 9-11 terrorist attacks. If you wanna think that that's a low number, uh, you know, I think people that are that work in homeland security and the uh, enterprise uh, regard that as a real problem uh, that that many were actually apprehended in one fiscal year. And also, according to the government statistics at CBP.gov, so far in the fiscal year of 2023, we have seen 69 who have been on the watch list. Uh, and so we are on track to beat 2022's number in terms of terror watch listed migrants that are uh, entering the country that are being apprehended. I want to just point out one thing that, uh, you know, uh, people on the uh, liberal side of the divide will look at this and say, well, you caught them all. What are you so worried about? Uh, these are captured people on the watch list. You know, thank God. And yeah, thank God. But uh, the context for that is that we've had at least one and a half million immigrants cross the border who have gotten away from Border Patrol into the American interior, where the official policy is to not apprehend and deport anyone. Uh, the interior of the United States has been a deportation-free zone uh, for 24 months. So if you can get past the 100-mile uh, border patrol zone into the interior, you're home free. And so while we may have caught 150, 160, 170 people on the watch list, uh, the probability is very high that many more got through into the interior. Um, I want to say that the, 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 um, the statistics tell us very little about who these 
immigrants are. Uh, but there, there is some information that has been teased out, uh, that has been sussed out uh, in small dribs and drabs about some of them. Uh, I write about uh, these, uh, some of these migrants in my book, Overrun, in a chapter called Terrorists in the Wire. Uh, that, that book is overrun. Uh, it's one of the chapters, but it's really kind of an update to my first book, which is America's Covert Border War. Uh, this book is all about the uh, uh, migration of people from Muslim-majority countries and what the United States does about it. Uh, a quick word about that. Typically, in a normal time when you don't have a, a mass migration crisis, uh, the, when, when one of these people is apprehended who flags on the watch list, the FBI will typically go down and uh, conduct interviews face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, and uh, you know, conduct uh, security background checks and you know, do some investigative work to kind of figure out who they are and what they're about. And typically, uh, they will then be deported to their home country, if that's possible, or to a third country, if we have an agreement with them. Uh, that is part of the covert border war that I describe in my book, America's Covert Border War. Uh, but in a crisis like this, uh, we are seeing signs that that covert border war is faltering and has gone off the rails. And I want to talk to you about three or four of these cases really quickly. Um, they are from the book. Uh, they're discussed at greater length in the book, so you can um, read more about them there. But um, the first case I'd like to bring to your attention is of a Lebanese-born Venezuelan named Isam Bazi. Uh, Bazi crossed the Rio Grande in December of 2021 at the height of, uh, at, at, up to that point, it wasn't even, now we're at the height, every month is a new height, but at that point, I think we hit 200,000 apprehensions in a single month, and Venezuelans were crossing in huge numbers, and Isam Bazi flagged on the terror watch list. I want to just give you a quick, uh, you know, the, the, the documents related to this case were leaked because somebody involved in it was so angry uh, about what happened. Uh, and I have those documents. So what I'm telling you is based on internal government documents, uh, confidential, but not classified. Um, Isam Bazi crosses, he uh, flags, the FBI comes down, they interview him and they determine that he is a high uh, risk, national security risk, uh, deeply involved in terrorist activities. It doesn't say which group, but this is probably uh, Hezbollah uh, because of, uh, you know, it's, he's a Lebanese and he's in Venezuela um, and he's going to be connected to where, where Iran and Hezbollah are, have been very active for many years. Uh, the FBI recommended in line with uh, their protocols that he be uh, detained and that he not uh, and that he probably be uh, deported after the FBI is finished with them. But in this case, ICE headquarters intervened forcefully, overruled the FBI and ordered him released on grounds that he was at risk of catching COVID. Uh, he's an overweight guy. It's all in the uh, documentation. And because he was overweight, he might be considered uh, at risk. So uh, he was released to the Detroit area where the last I heard he was pursuing an asylum claim. Uh, he didn't get picked up even after I reported it, but uh, 
this case was only reported by me. So um, I guess it's, you know, I don't know if anybody's listening to me out there, uh, but he's still out there as far as I'm aware. Uh, the second case, just give you an idea of who some of these people are, <clears throat> involves uh, a Yemeni by the name of Ahmed Mohammed Ahmed. This also is based on leaked documents to me. Um, Ahmed was um, crossing through Mexico. He'd gotten to the northern border, was about to cross into Eagle Pass, Texas. Uh, when the Mexicans picked him up, ran his database, ran the database the Americans give access to, and he's watchlisted. So the FBI goes into the Mexican detention centers. This is all, again, this whole thing is detailed in America's covert border war uh, because this, this is allowed to happen in Mexico. And he is uh, deported to Yemen. But the uh, Mexican authorities, the intelligence officers that are transporting him uh, depart in Europe at the transit airport and return back to Mexico. And he is able to somehow uh, not finish the trip and he comes back to Mexico. And the Mexicans catch him again in the same area, Piedras Negras about to cross into Eagle Pass. This time though, the system doesn't work. There, there's apparently the Americans do not come. Uh, the uh, Ahmed is um, uh, flushed from the detention center and released uh, with everybody else at some point, and uh, we don't know what became of him. The reason I know this story is because the bolo, the be out on the lookout for, was leaked to me, and the whole story is described in there. A bolo went out to. Border Patrol and the Eagle Pass in the, in the Del Rio sector to be on the lookout for this terror watch listed uh, Yemeni. He was listed as a CBP Category 5, which is a terrorist organization affiliate, a member of a terrorist organization. Doesn't say which one. Um, and so we don't know what happened to him. Uh, a, a, a third case I'll talk to you about is um, looks like a, he, he was a Colombian. This one was reported by Fox News um, by the name of Isnardo Garcia Amado. Um, he crosses uh, in the flush and the influx of, of uh, crisis and is released before anybody can check his fingerprints or run his security or anything about it, about who he is, and disappears. And later, somebody checks the fingerprint and finds a match to the TSDB. Uh, this sets off a feverish uh, nationwide manhunt to figure out where he is. They, uh, HSI picks him up in Florida and, thank God, brings him back. I don't know much about uh, uh, Garcia or Amado. Uh, it could be that, that he is a, a member of FARC, the guerrilla organization in Colombia. Uh, we have had a number of FARC operatives. We don't they're not Islamics, but we absolutely do not want FARC, guerrilla-trained FARC uh, members with probably blood on their hands coming over the southern border any more than we want um, that than we want Islamics. But the broader point here is that the system appears to be faltering under this mass migration crisis, the covert border war, and so therefore the 
threat level, in my opinion, is much higher than it's ever been uh, right now with all of those gotaways. Um, finally, I want to talk to you about uh, there is a, a prosecution out of Ohio of an Iraqi former member of Al Qaeda who got in several years ago as an asylum seeker. He flew in that one, but his arrest and indictment, uh, his name is uh, Shihab Ahmed Shihab Shihab, uh, three Shihabs in that name. Um, but uh, the indictment and the complaint describe his plot to uh, import up to four Al-Qaeda ISIS uh, operatives from Qatar and also from Iraq over the southern border to assassinate President George Bush, former President George Bush in Texas. And according to the court records, he had already brought in two members of Hezbollah. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of uh, mystery still shrouded on that case around that case, but uh, again, what it shows us, and thank God they caught him, but what it shows us again is that the bad guys are well aware of what is happening at our southern border, that it is vulnerable to this kind of uh, penetration uh, and infiltration. Um, so many of the, uh, probably more, more than in the history of, of our country, uh, the greatest percentages uh, are reaching the border from other countries, countries other than Mexico and Central America from 150 different countries. Uh, they represent every country of the Middle East, uh, Islamic uh, countries of Northern Africa and South Asia, Pakistan, all the Stan countries, I've met them. Uh, there are so many coming in that um, a, a, an organization out of San Diego called the Latina Muslim Association of, um, of San Diego, uh, opened up a Muslim-only shelter in Tijuana in May of 2022 because demand for its services were deemed so sufficient that they needed to have an organization. And um, I, wanted, I went to visit this organization. I want to tell you, I was in Tijuana in November and in and around this uh, this shelter. And um, let me share my screen real quickly. I'll let the video run, but I won't uh, play sound. I'll just let you as I speak. Um, so this, this organization there it is right there. You can see it is uh, two blocks from the wall. Uh, I spent the first couple of days around it interviewing Chechens, uh, guys that were coming in from Chechnya. It's got a mosque inside. It, it's halal food uh, uh, provided and uh, separate facilities for men and women. And these are um, sort of provisions that were seen as um, not uh, being provided by other shelters in Tijuana. So the uh, the issue here is that um, the the founders of this of this outfit um, tell me that when I interviewed the uh, director that they receive immigrants in this facility from all over the uh, Islamic world, they're coming in and being provided 
with the ability to cross, to get humanitarian parole and to be crossed uh, pre-legalized uh, through the ports of entry under this new Biden administration uh, policy that uh, we are told only applies to Cubans, Nicaraguans, uh, Haitians, and Venezuelans. But the reality is, is that they're allowing really uh, people from all of the Muslim countries to come through as well. And the, the big selling point here is that they conduct full security backgrounds. However, uh, lots of Somalis are coming through. Uh, and you can't do uh, backgrounders on Somalis. Uh, Syrians are coming through. You can't do background checks very well on Syrians. Lots and lots of Afghans are coming through. Uh, we can't really do backgrounds on Afghans. Uh, and from a lot of the countries, Mauritania, uh, Uzbekistan, Russia, the, the Chechens coming in, Russia's not doing background checks for us, I guarantee you. That right there is the uh, woman who is the director. And I asked her point blank, have the Americans, the Biden administration, intelligence community ever reached out to ask you about the people that you're bringing through? And the answer was no, I have never been contacted. I would be, you can see what she's saying here. Uh, I would be very happy to help the Americans if anybody were to ever ask me for help, but I've never been asked. That tells me that the covert border war is faltering, is falling apart, that they're not all over this thing, uh, doing everything they possibly can. She told me to her credit that she has reported several cases of Islamic uh, terrorists or extremism to the Mexican authorities uh, who did do some due diligence when she asked and they removed them from her facility. Um, and with that, I can just sort of yield the floor to, to uh, questions. Um, let me stop the share here. And you can find this video at cis.org. Uh, uh, we published this in November or my website at toddbensman.com. You can find it on the front page there as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, speaking on that, uh, Steve. Uh, Steve it, I, hope, I hope I didn't go over my time. <laughs> oh, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> so the first question is from uh, David Levine asking, while he was president, Donald Trump uh, was able to keep Muslim terrorists from crossing. Uh, exactly what did he do differently that was so effective? Well, I think this is about sort of reducing the haystack. Uh, what the what Donald Trump did was he he had policies in place that reduced the number of people crossing into the country. It deterred to about thirty thousand a month, uh, which sounds may sound high, but not when you consider that we're we, we're having two hundred and fifty thousand a month cross now and from all over the the country. Some of those policies had to do with the COVID pandemic, Title 42, which was this automatic pushback of everybody who crossed. He was pushing back, back about 87% uh, when he handed the border over to Biden, but also remain in Mexico, uh, where everybody would have to get pushed back to wait for their asylum claims in Mexico, which nobody wanted to do, so they didn't bother coming. Uh, things like uh, third country, uh, transit where you couldn't apply for asylum if you'd pass through several other countries that were already deemed safe and 
people didn't want to bother coming over from the Middle East. I mean, they did, some of them did anyway, but when you have a, a haystack that is much smaller, your infrastructure for Homeland Security is much better able to uh, catch and process uh, suspected terrorists. That's not happening now at all. Uh, all of those uh, processes have been, the aperture has been widened to the maximum uh, for as many people as possible to cross over the southern border. Hope that answers that. Yes, thank you. An anonymous attendee asked, with two more years of this administration, is it too late to stop the infiltration of terrorists? And Robert Larrick follows up, how do we get a better handle on those problems? Well, unfortunately, the, uh, the, the, the levers of power over the, uh, whether the, the gate is opened or shut, lead directly to the White House. Uh, there's very little that states can do uh, when the federal government decides to open the, the gate wide. Uh, and so we were kind of looking, some of us that, that are concerned about this, we're kind of looking to the midterms to cut the Democratic Party uh, deeply to where they lose enough blood that they might want to reverse course on some of these policies and close the gate back up. Uh, but it didn't happen. And so unfortunately, uh, it looks like the administration plans to continue with these policies for another two years uh, for the balance of its term, and then there'll be another election. And I forget what the other question was. Oh, sorry. And how do we get a better handle on these problems? Well, again, uh, you know, you have to have policies. Uh, listen, so I've spent a lot of time with the immigrants and my book, Overrun, uh, really incorporates the um, a lot of primary sourcing, which is the immigrants. So, you know, why are you coming? Why are you coming now? The answer is always that I'm not going to drop $10,000 in smuggling fees if I'm just going to end up stuck in Mexico. Uh, and it's kind of that simple. Uh, it's a calculus of odds. You're gambling with smuggling fortunes for a lot of these people. $5,000, $10,000 is borrowed, begged, uh, from from family and relatives, and you want to make sure you're going to get in and stay in to pay back multiples of whatever you borrowed. Uh, and certainly, you don't want to end up in debt and nothing to show. So the policies that would be needed to be put in place would be to reduce the odds of your success, so that you don't want to even bother spending the money. You're going to stay home. Uh, but those policies are not the, the exact opposite is in place now where you are almost guaranteed uh, entry and stay into the United States under these policies. So until, until we have, until we reduce the odds of enter and stay, we're not gonna get a, a grip on any of this. Thank you. And what exactly would be your recommendations and what is the likelihood of those uh, being being taken into account and uh, the change coming? Well, for one thing, the the there's always a lot of talk about we need comprehensive immigration reform. And I take the position in the book uh, and in public that we don't really need comprehensive immigration reform. Our immigration system is great for the border. It's well suited to deter and defend and deport and detain. But 
uh, and the laws are all in place. The problem is that that this administration chose to decouple itself completely from enforcing any of those laws. And uh, the administration has decided that it is going to uh, make up its own rules and systems as it goes along. And because we have a divided Congress, it's now left up to courts and litigation. So, you know, we just have to kind of hope that some of the courts, you know, rule against uh, what, what the administration is doing to reduce that haystack. Um, and, and that's ultimately what it's about, that you have to have, um, um, you have to just simply abide by the law. If you, if an administration abides by the law, it should deter the vast majority of this. There are a couple of fixes. The asylum law is, um, uh, has a massive uh, loophole in it that provides an escape route around the law. Uh, but that's a legislative fix. That's one of the few legislative fixes. And there's a couple of others. The last chapter of the book, I recommend, uh, you know, I have four major recommendations. But other than that, follow the law. All right. Well, thank you so much. As we're nearing the end, can you tell our viewers where we can uh, purchase your book? I, I did put the Amazon link in the chat for everyone or uh, where we can find some more of your work. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so the book is, um, it's out in bookstores, published by Post Hill Bombardier Books. So uh, you should be able to find it in your local bookstore, but uh, lots of people buy online. And so it's available everywhere. Books are sold online. And uh, there's a hardcover uh, version, there's a soft cover, and there's Kindle. Uh, and um, you can find my work if you go to toddbinsman.com. I write for a lot of different publications. Uh, and so you wouldn't be able to follow me uh, very carefully, very closely, unless you go to my website. I do have a newsletter where when I publish something new, uh, it's free. Don't worry about it. You can unsubscribe. I'll send a notice out. You can find that newsletter link at my site, toddbensman.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Thank you again, Mr. Bensman, for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And for our viewers, please join us Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for an update with Ashley Perry. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.